Hey there. So today's episode is a part two. If you haven't listened to the last episode, you're going to want to go back and listen to that before you listen to today's episode. These episodes are going to be dropped monthly. They're kind of like a mini series within the bigger Business of Christian Fiction podcast. And this little mini series we're calling Creating from Rest in 2024. My friend Erin and I are recording these conversations monthly to help us just stay accountable to this idea of creating from rest in 2024. For Erin, that looks like a Sabbath year. And for me, it looks more like a scaling year. So in these conversations, we're going to try to be open and honest and just really discuss what does it mean to be obedient to what God is asking you to do and trust him with the outcome, even when it maybe doesn't make the most sense to us in our human wisdom. And so we're sharing these conversations in hopes that they will encourage you in your own journey of creating from rest. Enjoy. So originally we were going to we actually got cut off yesterday. We, you had to go pick up your daughter. And I, the funny thing is, Erin, is after you were like, okay, I got to go by. I'm like, okay, bye. And then I was like, okay, what am I going to do now? And then it suddenly dawned on me that my kids had speech therapy. They do it online with their therapist. And um, I had totally forgotten. Like I knew about it. Like that morning I'd remembered, but Somehow in the midst of our conversation, I had totally forgot about it. So I got the little notification on my phone. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. (laughs) I had to like log in. I just thought it was funny because here we were like trying to hurry up for you. And you felt so bad that you had to get off the the call. And I'm like, I had stuff too. And I didn't even like think about it. So I thought that was (laughs) funny. Um, But one of the things, so we had said like, okay, let's circle back to what my year is going to look like, because what our hope with this is that you're kind of seeing, um, we're kind of documenting what it looks like to create from rest from two different perspectives. The one um, side of where God's asking us to, you know, asking you to stop and the other side of it where he's asking us to go, but still having that posture of rest in both of those areas, like both sides of that same coin. And so, um, we decided to pick it back up. And one of the things we said is like, oh, we'll just act like, you know, the conversation didn't end. Like, we'll just pick it right back up. We'll just, we'll wear the same shirts and everything. And as I was trying to get my hair to look like it did yesterday. <laughs> impossible when you have curly hair. <laughs> it is impossible. It is not something that comes easy. My hair never looks the same day after nope. day. It is, it never looks the same. And it is always a challenge to make it like, and today it was particularly like not wanting to behave. So, but as I- It looks was, great. <laughs> well, thank you. A little bit of water, a little bit of bobby pins. We worked it out. But um, I have a love-hate relationship with my hair, as I think most women with curly hair do. Um, maybe all women do. Maybe all women have I a love-hate so. relationship with their hair. So. <laughs> um, that's a totally different conversation. Uh, so anyways, as I was thinking about this, as I was pinning my hair back, I was like, why- why do we feel the need if we're having a truly open and honest conversation about what our lives look like as creatives, as women who are trying to be entrepreneurs and juggling everything and trying to do it in a way that we don't burn out and trying to do it in a way that we're resting in God? Why am I of why am I feeling the need to create this ideal that we recorded that episode in one take? Like Right. Why do why is that something that I need to um 
why do we need to make it seem like that? And I like there's something about continuity within episodes. So like I'm not totally dismissing why we were saying that. But I think for the sake of this conversation and for what we're trying to do here, that it makes a lot of sense to just be honest that we ran out of time talking about what the year is going to look like. Um, and I had a lot more questions for you. And so we'll probably talk more about that as the year goes on. Um, but we ran out of time to really dive into what I'm doing. And so as I was thinking through this, I was like, you know, that's actually the really a perfect segue into what my year looks like. Um, because one of the things that I'm really trying to embrace this year is embracing the hard stops. Like, this is the time I have for this. This is the time I have for that. Because I have found over the last couple of years um, that budgeting your time is extremely important in this whole idea of resting and creating from rest and that you have to budget your time. And it first started with me learning how to budget my rest time. Like, and by budgeting, I just mean like allocating certain time during the week to a certain activity. And so we we naturally do this with some things like we know church happens at this time and you know sleep happens during these hours and so we kind of, and like roughly these are the times we eat, right? So we kind of already have this idea of budgeting our activity, but we don't necessarily budget our time for rest. And so about 4 years ago ish, actually I think January this is actually five years now that I'm realizing because we started January 2019. So what would that be? Yeah, I guess that would be five years that we've been practicing a weekly 24-hour rest as a family. And um, putting a number on it and saying, okay, we're resting for 24 hours. And that doesn't mean we're not doing anything for 24 hours. We're just not working for 24 hours. And so we had to kind of say like, this is the thing. And we're going to put it on the schedule just like you would with your finances. Like this is how much money we're spending on groceries and gas and all these things. So we started budgeting our rest. And then through that, I started realizing why are we not budgeting our time for other things, for our work? Like my husband does. He budgeted, budgeted to, anyway, <laughs> he, he goes into work at a certain time. He works for a certain amount of time and then he comes home. And I'm like, it's very hard, I think, as entrepreneurs that deal in the online space where we don't have these hard and fast rules for when our work time has to be done for. And then if we're also trying to juggle like being a stay at home mom or homeschooling or, you know, you have little that still demand a lot from you. Um, we and we or we haven't outsourced things like cleaning and, and food prep and these things that just have to be done. It's really hard. We kind of like shove things in between things. Right. We do all this work around things and that can lead to a lot of burnout that can make you feel like, oh my gosh, I am just spinning my wheels constantly. I am at, there's so many things that needs to be done and I don't even know where to begin. I don't know where to start. Everything's demanding my time and attention. And so for me over the last couple of years, I've learned to kind of create time blocks for and budget my time for different work activities. What I'm not good at is sticking to those time blocks. And so it was interesting that yesterday after we got done with our conversation and you're like, I've got a hard stop. I got to go pick up my daughter. Um, and then I was like, oh, gosh, I had a hard stop, too. <laughs> uh, 
my kids need to do their speech therapy. And then later on in the day, I actually had a coaching call with somebody and um, it went long. It was one of those situations where she had a lot to talk about and it was a really complex situation. And I had to ask a lot of questions to really understand the situation before I could help coach her on anything. And now I'm being compensated for that. So it's me earning money, right? But that phone call, I had to make a conscious decision or maybe subconscious decision. I don't know at this point now reflecting on it. I just kind of went with it um, that I was not going to be able to, that working during that time frame was actually taking away my time to prep for dinner. And so at the end of that call, I got off that call and I was like, well, this is the situation. It is now dinner time and I have no dinner made. And what do I do? I have heard from a lot of women over the last few years who are stay-at-home moms and authorpreneurs and all the things that it's these little moments that just drain you because you feel like you're failing. It's like if I try to be really successful in one area of my life, I start failing in another area of my life. And so you feel like you're just never doing anything well. And I think that for me, that has been true the last few years. And last year, God just reminded me of a couple things. Um, one, he reminded me that I needed to stay within the budgeted time like, and be okay. Be okay that I would end my work time and maybe something wasn't done or fully accomplished. And that's really hard for me as a creative. I tend to work, like I tend to think in projects, like I want to like start to finish. I just want to have it all done. Um, it's really hard for me to stop in the middle of something. So he reminded me of that, that it's okay. Like you're doing great in like budgeting it, but you're not doing great in sticking to the budget. And so I'm like, okay, that's one thing I need to work on this year. And then the other thing I was realizing is that there is a layer of acceptance that there are limitations, that I have limitations, physical, mental, emotional limitations. Um, I think we talked a little bit yesterday about you being a very high achiever. And I think I have I have a, that to a degree as well, where I just expect that I can, if I decide to do something, I'm going to be able to do it. Like I should be able to do it. For some reason, I just have this expectation of myself. And um, and so that kind of leads to the expectation that I should just be able to do whatever I set my mind to, no matter how like unrealistic that is. And so that can lead to a certain kind of striving, a certain kind of like, if I just try harder, if I just put more effort in here, if I just stay up later, if I get up earlier. And I think that the Lord was reminding me, especially towards the end of last year, that that is a certain kind of striving. That's a certain kind of self-sufficiency that is not what he's asking of me. He's asking me to show up, do the work during the work times, and then set it down at his feet even if it's not complete and just trust him with it, that he will either multiply my time in miraculous ways, which I mean, there's instances in the Bible where he's done this for people, or he will give me the clarity and the energy to be very efficient during those time blocks. And that's something I pray for, or maybe he will realign my thinking. And I will realize that something that I thought was essential is actually not essential. And so that's really, um, for me this year, going into 2024, the idea of creating from rest is 
because my year is ramping up and we can talk about that in a little bit more in a second, but my year is ramping up and there is a part of me that's like, oh my gosh, I am going to fail in all these areas because I'm only this, you know, I only have this capability. And that's where the Lord's like creating from rest is doing what you can, being obedient to what you can, and then trusting me with the rest, right? And I'm like, yeah, that's true. And he's like, well, if that's the case, don't you think my grace is sufficient for you? Don't you think that in your weakness, I'm magnified and I can give you my strength to sustain you? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) So I think that creating from rest for me is an act of obedience and trust in God, like obedience to what I've been called to do and a trust that God's faithful to fill in the gap of what I'm not able to accomplish. And so, yeah, I just talked for a very long time. So do you have any questions about that at no, all? I, I love all of that because it it is so true. And I think it's not only, we have this idea that like we can make it fit, right? Yeah. Like an opportunity pops up. I don't know about you, but I look at the calendar and I'm like, oh, okay. I'm double booked here, but I can scooch this one over a little bit (laughs) and I can rearrange that and I can make it fit. I can do it. Mm -hmm. And just because we can do something doesn't mean we should do something. Um, And I think too often we don't think about what we should be doing in that time. Like Mm -hmm. you're saying, you know, prepping dinner or whatever, like those things it's easy to push those aside mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because they're more flexible. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, there's that puts a strain mm-hmm. right on the family and that work balance. And it does cause those moments where we're just like, I feel like I can't do it all. I feel like mm-hmm. I'm just failing at work. I'm failing at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it, it does lead to burnout. Yeah. And not only are we making everything fit, but I think you're, brain works this way as well, because I've heard you talk about projects where, um, you know, you think about a project for a long time and then when it's ready, it just, it, it just comes out altogether, Mm -hmm. pretty much done. That's, that's how I do a lot of my writing too. Like a book will come out in six weeks, but Mm -hmm. that's something that I've been processing internally for a year, two years, and then it just is ready to be born, you know? (laughs) It's Um, like an incubating (laughs) for so long and then it's just like, I'm Yes, which is fun. And I love it because there is that thrill where it just all pours out. But the problem is those two years where it's incubating, it's never turning off. It's always in the back of our minds, right? Mm -hmm. And so while we're making dinner, we're incubating. While we're having a conversation with our kids, while we're helping them with their homework, while we're driving to pick up Carline, all the things, it's incubating and our brain never turns off. And Mm -hmm. we're not getting that Sabbath rest, not just from external work, but from that internal processing that's always happening. Yeah. And it's, it's hard to, it's hard to be present Mm -hmm. when you have a a brain that works that way. So I know the struggle. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I know. And I think there was a, I think there was a time where I saw that as a really negative thing. And I was trying to like, you hear this, like, oh, be present. Like you just used the phrase, right? Like it's hard to be present. And I think especially in the last, like, I want to say last four years. It's funny because my family started doing this Sabbath practice. um, Yeah. Like I said, June of 2019 um, after a 
theories on the Ten Commandments at our church, right? Uh, I was feeling burnt out. So, and by burnt out, I was like so burnt out that I was kind of snapping at my family and just I a lot of bitterness had taken root and a lot of like anger about certain situations. And so I was like, okay, this is not my natural, like, this is not my natural personality. Like, I'm not that typical person. Um, That sounds weird. My spiritual gifting is in the gift of encouragement. That's one of my spiritual giftings. And so to be a person who was constantly in a state of bitterness and anger and speaking very negative things about people all the time, I was like, whoa, like I am so in my flesh. There is something seriously wrong here and we need to fix it. And it was as we were reading through that, working through the Ten Commandments where we got to, you know, the fourth commandment. And I was just like, wait a second. <laughs> like, I know that we're not like under the law anymore, but why are we not living by this wisdom? Because it's not just in that section that it shows up. The Sabbath was given to the Israelites way long before the 10 commandments were issued. Um, we see it in chapter 15 with the manna, like that's before the 10 commandments is given, right? So God was asking them to have a posture of dependence on him long before. Um, and I think that spurred me on to be like, okay, let me dig into this a little bit more. And as I was reading through the Sabbath, uh, where it just shows up in the different spots in the Old Testament, and even in the New Testament, um, and starting to realize, especially in Genesis 1 and 2, what it meant to be created in the image of God, what it meant to be an image bearer, and how that relates to the Sabbath. And um, I came to understand that it, it's interesting, because if you look at the Ten Commandments, the first three are about our relationship with the Lord. The last um, commandments, 5 through 10, are about our relationship with others. And the fourth commandment is the only commandment where it actually deals with both people. And it's the only commandment that's put in a positive, right? So when I was looking at that commandment, I was realizing that it's almost like a hinge commandment. Like you do this commandment, you do the others, right? Yeah, I love that. Sorry. No, I'm you're like, good. I'm like choking on something over here. I don't even know what. <laughs> don't choke. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the, the thing, the in, why that became an important thing to me, the fact that this in the, within this commandment, I was both honoring God and loving others because when I rest, I'm in community with each other people. But if you look at the way that the Sabbath is kind of explained, it's like, you're going to rest and this person and this person and this person, you're not going to expect anything from your servants. You're not going to expect anything from your spouse or your kids. Everybody is resting. And it's like, you're giving space to everybody and it's just an honoring of each person. But when you tie it back to Genesis chapter one and you see how God issued this command after placing humanity in the garden to tend to it, I think a lot of times we look at it as like, oh, God stopped because it was good. And it's like, yes, but God stopped because everything was complete for him to then commune with us. And that there's within that space of communing with God in rest, we then can work with God as well. And so trying to balance this idea of I rest with God so that I can work with God and 
he's designed me purposely to work with him. This is a very long-winded answer to come. I am circling back to the idea of our brains constantly being on it. The fact that God created me a certain way to steward the gifts that he's given me to steward the resources, to steward the situations he placed me in all of the, all of life is a gift from our, the way our brains work to the way that our spiritual giftings, you know, like when we submit to the Holy Spirit, how he works through us, to the natural talents he's given us, to the situations from our past experiences. So everything that God has given us, all of our life, all of our thoughts, our, all of our opinions and, and resources, everything he has gifted to us is to be steward and steward well, right? And so that means my brain, the way it works. Now we do live on the side of the fall, right? And so there is a degree in which we have to constantly be submitting our natural abilities, our natural tendencies to the, you know, the Holy Spirit and asking that not his will be done, but or not my will, but his will be done. I did not say it right the first time. Um, <clears throat> but having said that, like, I also don't want to villainize my natural bent because obviously there's a reason for that design. My job as a, as a believer and as a Christian is to make sure that I'm constantly submitting that uniqueness, my uniqueness to the spirit to be used however he wants it to be used. Right. And so part of that is my brain. (laughs) My brain needs to be able to think and do and, and calculate the way that he, but in a way that submits to him. And so it's interesting when we were talking yesterday, you're like, I, I, I loved your answer to that legalism question. I know what I need. And I think that's true for most of us if we've done any kind of reflection, because I think sometimes we can get so caught up in the doing. And this is where Sabbath is like taking a Sabbath is really helpful because it pulls back and gives margin and space to just be and to reflect and to contemplate. And so when we started doing a Sabbath practice weekly, it suddenly gave me space to have those conversations with God and be like, okay, this shows up quite frequently in my life. This is how my brain tends to work. Where is that good? And where is that not so great? And where it gets to be not so great for me is when my brain goes into hyperdrive on all the ways things can go wrong. And all the ways that I'm not doing things well, on all the ways that maybe somebody might think I'm a horrible person, right? Like I can catastrophize very easily. And I think that's because my brain's creative. Like it just thinks creatively. So obviously it would think up creative ways while how the world's going to fall apart. (laughs) But that's not a good thing, right? Because God says, don't be anxious. And so I think it's a constant like, okay, my brain's on all, my brain is always incubating ideas. Is that in um conflict with scripture or not and how does that affect me being present it's something i'm still wrestling with i don't have a perfect answer for it but i also am not going to be like saying that my brain doesn't turn off because i've you know somebody they're like your brain never stops does it and i'm like no it doesn't and i thought that was true for everybody and then i found out like recently that it wasn't true. And I was like, how is this not a thing you people deal with? I'm trying to learn to say, okay, we're just stopping and learning that my brain works like that all the time. But at some point I'm going to have to stop and just give that over to the Lord and just ask him that if that's not something that needs to keep incubating, that he would help me to 
turn it off. Mm-hmm. And then also like the whole idea of being present, especially for kids, right? To be present with our kids. Um, I think I'm learning that I need to make some specific changes as far as like my phone needs to not be by me because my phone is like a conduit, not to just doom scroll, but my phone is a conduit because I do a lot of work on it. Right. So then it's like, oh, I have a creative idea here. Let me just jot it down real quick. Oh, oh, that would make a great post. Let me just write out the post right now. Right. And it, so I have to, there's a layer of trust there that like the idea that I'm having now, it will be there again in a bit. But I've also found that um, sometimes having that uh, notepad or something nearby can actually be really, really freeing and it allows me to be present. So it's like, hey, guys, give me two seconds. Let me write this down and then I, we'll go right back to playing. So I think it's it's making some pre-decisions. And um, I was actually going to talk a little bit about this when I was thinking about what this year is going to look like. This year is going to look like me having made some pre-decisions and sticking to them. And so what I mean by that is in the moment, having some things just predetermined and saying like, during these times, this is going to be true or throughout our week, this is going to be true. And so, and when that moment comes up, I can say, this is something I've already decided. I'm going to stick with it. And so one of those things is when I'm playing with my kids, there's no phone nearby. When I'm working on schoolwork with my kids, if it's something I'm teaching, no phones nearby, no computers nearby. But if it's something where they have like independent work to do, I have my computer nearby because I can do things that not deep creative work, that's not going to happen, but like those like checking emails and stuff because I can easily stop and give my attention to them. And that's another thing I had to decide. I had to decide that when they talk to me, We came up with a system where they put their hand on my shoulder so that I know they need my attention or they say, excuse me, mom. Then I know, oh, they need my full attention. And I actually stop what I'm doing and turn my body physically towards them. And those little things, I, those came up after reflecting on like, this is not working or this is the feedback I'm getting from my husband, or this is the feedback I'm getting from my kids. And I need to listen to it and decide not just do away with everything, but figure out how can I better steward what's been given to me? Because creativity has been given to me and I have do believe I have a calling to share it. And I have to also recognize that I've been giving children and I have the responsibility to steward their learning and their um, growth in the Lord. And so how do I take care of them and steward our house well to protect them and feed them and clothe them? You know. So I love that you brought out the, um, when God is talking about the Sabbath in the 10 commandments, he says, you know, take a day of rest so that, Mm -hmm. so we always know, Oh, so that, okay, here's the reason because don't we love to know why? Yeah. So that, and it's all the members of your household can Mm -hmm. rest. It isn't for you. Right. We always think like the Sabbath is for me, right. To rest, to recharge, whatever. But the so that is for all the people who work and live in your house and mm-hmm. in your family. And I was just really struck by that as I was looking at all this Sabbath stuff as well and thinking of just asking that question, how will my children rest this year because mm-hmm. I'm resting? How mm-hmm. will my husband be able to rest this year 
because I'm resting? Even how will my readers be able to yeah. rest this year because I'm resting? Maybe they don't need to hear our words. We always say like, if the world needs your words, right? Yeah, That's, your message matters. <laughs> yes, as authors, we love to say all of that. And it's true. It is, yeah. But maybe they don't need more. Maybe mm. we don't need more TikTok videos. Maybe we don't need more beautiful Instagram photos. Maybe we mm -hmm. don't need more catchy quotes on pretty backgrounds. Yeah. Maybe because I'm not sending a weekly email devotion out to my readers, maybe they'll switch from drinking milk to eating meat. Maybe mm. they're finally going to open their Bible on their own and be like, you know, she's been walking me through this for years now. I think I can do it mm -hmm. and do it themselves. Maybe my rest is going to equal some growth in their lives. Mm -hmm. And I think that works not only for a Sabbath year, but like for you, for a Sabbath that you're taking weekly. Mm -hmm. And when you're when you're making those predetermined choices, I love that. Yeah. Um, just that idea of, of deciding at the beginning, here's how it's going to be. Right. And then, then you don't have to decide. Then there isn't that internal struggle because right. that's the part that really brings the tension is. It really does. Yeah. Like if I could just finish this email, if I could mm -hmm. just have five minutes yeah. alone, if I could just, and we always have this, yeah. if I could just. And yeah. it, it makes a tension where we're having to choose between work and our families. And that doesn't bring a healthy work-life mm -hmm. balance. So Jeremy Pryor, he talked about integrating your family into the work that you're doing. And I, I'm thinking like family business, meaning like you're all working on the same thing together. And he, and while, yes, that's part of what he's talking about, he made this statement about integrating your life so that it's not work-life balance. And he said that's necessary as a career because your boss doesn't care about your family. So you have to have those boundaries in place so that you protect your family. He's like, but when you have a family business, your life is integrated and it's not so much about balancing work and life. It's about balancing the priorities you have together as a family. And I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. And I think that for those of us who are in kind of this entrepreneurial online author space, at least this is part of what I'm trying to figure out this year. I think that maybe adopting more of an integrative approach might help relieve that tension a bit, meaning that, and my husband and I did some work back in December to kind of identify what are those priorities as a family. What are the things that we're like, these are non-negotiables for us. These are things we're focusing on this year. And we're going to make some decisions, pre-make decisions about that so that we can protect those things. And one of those things for us was protecting my time to write. And so we've made some decisions about that, protecting my time to work. Because I don't just write, I actually run a business, right? And so protecting those, those spaces for me to work because Honestly, our hope is that these two businesses will grow large enough that my husband can leave his corporate job. He doesn't want to be in that space anymore. And so for right now, he has to get up and go and do that because that's what provides for us. But the goal is for us to not be tied to that anymore, that he would have the freedom to choose to leave it if he would, if he wanted to. And so, and if that was what God willed for him. And so having to protect that space and, and allow for it, 
but realizing that it's, and I think part of me for the last couple of years has always seen everything as attention. Like I am in attention between the work I do for homeschool directive. That's my other business. I am with my work I do as a writer. And then those two are in tension with the work I do as a homeschool mom. And then all of that's in tension with the work I have to do as a home manager, right? And it, so it feels like everything's just fighting for my attention. <clears throat> and so we've had to decide that, um, all right, making meals at home is a priority for us because we're trying to be healthier. Not eating out is a priority for us because we are trying to save money. So- those two things are the things that go straight out the window when my writing work, my work work, um, any kind of work, <laughs> anytime it in, in um, creeps over into those other time slots, that becomes the thing that goes out the window. And so we are like, how can we protect this? How can we make this more integrated? Because work is not a bad thing. And but the food is just as important and they don't need to be in tension with each other. So how can we make this so that you're not feeling like you're failing if one doesn't happen and the other one does? And so one of the things we just decided to do is create emergency meals. We made a list of five meals that we could pull out of the refrigerator, freezer, pantry that require very minimal prep. So like I'm talking hot dogs and chips, nuts and veggies and fruit. You know, I'm talking like a can of beans and a packet of rice. Like, like we're talking like really ridiculously simple pasta and sauce. These are not meals that are going to be like overwhelmingly nutritious or overwhelmingly delicious, but it's one meal and it's in a pinch. And so we've called them emergency meals and we've like, we're so far, <laughs> we're only a couple of weeks into the year. So we'll see how well this works. But it's just a small example of ways that we're like trying to make a decision that allow us to remove the tension from the two things that we do hold to be important and not so that like yesterday we went over on the time for the coaching call and I was able to say to my husband, well, we can either pull out one of these emergency meals or we can use our allowed eating out time that we have for the week. And so that's what we opted to do. We opted to take that. So anyways, all that to say, and I don't know if that's helpful or not, but all that to say, like, that's something that I am struggling with this year and trying to live a more integrated, taking out that tension from all of this work that I'm doing because God has put a lot on my plate this year. Yeah. Okay. And you had talked about, you know, when you have to make that decision, it's either you know, what am I going to take off of my plate mm -hmm. or, um, you know, what's, what's going to suffer here? Like you have to make a, a choice, right? Mm -hmm. You can't do it all. We can't be everywhere. Right. So what projects have you chosen for this year and what made you choose those projects? What are some of the guidelines that you look at as you're deciding what is worthy of my time and attention mm -hmm. this year as I'm, as you're, cleaning out the year. Yeah. So um, at the risk of sounding really shallow, <laughs> I'm working on projects that are going to make me money. And, okay. and I'm working on, and so that was like one of the things because, and I, and it sounds, I hate just like being like, it's got to make me money because there is this like 
layer of ministry that we talked about, you know, yesterday, this layer of I'm doing this creative work with the Lord, right? And I should be willing to do it even if I don't make a profit. And I, <laughs> my bookkeeper showed me last a couple of weeks ago, um, the money that I have invested in my writing over the last couple of years. And I asked for it. She didn't be like, um, Rachel, no, she wasn't like trying to like, I was like, Hey, can you show, like, can you give me the, you know, the profit and loss for the last couple of years? And so she did. And I was like, Holy cow. I had not realized, like I legitimately had no clue of how much money I had put into this business this year yeah, or last year or the year before that. Like I kind of had a rough idea. But it was one of those things that at the end of the year when she would give me my stuff for my taxes, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I, I kind of figured that I didn't publish a book. I didn't do this. Like um, I really didn't have a whole lot to invest or a whole lot making me money. And you're kind of told as a writer that that's, you know, the gig. Like you just invest all this stuff and then one day you're going to land this big book deal and it'll like wipe out the debt, right? Right. <laughs> Which is a lie. It's a lie, right. people. I was going to say, what they don't tell you is the big advance you're just going to use to promote the book, which then makes the publisher money. But yeah. anyway, continue. <laughs> that is not our conversation it's today. It's not our conversation. <laughs> but I do think that we have to mention that that is part of what leads to feeling exhausted and feeling like, am I stewarding this well? And leads to you going, oh my gosh, if my family's, if my family is suffering, then is it worth it? Right. If I'm just putting money down the drain, right, yeah. and things are not re- making any kind of return on investment, I'm taking, I like, I'm taking valuable resources from our family, mm-hmm. and so that had to be an on- honest conversation. I came like crying to my husband, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I have cost us so much money this last couple of years." And he just looked me in the eyes, and he's like, "Rachel, we made a decision that we are going to invest in your writing career." He's like. I appreciate the fact that you are being aware of things. He's like, but let's just work on stewarding it well this year. And so I'm like, all right, okay. After I got over my initial, like, oh my gosh, I'm so like ruining our family. Um, I realized I'm like, this business has to make money and I can no longer just throw spaghetti at the wall. I know enough now that I should be able to make calculated decisions. And now That's not to say that just because you do something, it's going to be successful, right? But it's not stopping when it's not successful, right? And so um, let's just take, for example, uh, last year, you did the book launch collection with me. That did not sell as many tickets as I thought it would. It was really disappointing, actually, honestly, from from that perspective. There was a lot of beautiful things that came out of that. There was a lot that I learned from it. Um, But I... And it's easy. It would be easy for me to be like, well, I was moving literally like my husband got a job in another state (laughs) in the middle of all of that after I had already decided to do that. But what struck me and I did kind of sit in that for a little bit. I was like, well, like this happened, blah, blah, blah. And um, and I think many people would be like, well, yeah, that makes sense. Like, don't be so hard on yourself. And I think we do that a lot in the author community. And so I think we have to be really careful to not excuse away stewardship. And so I ended up taking a hard, fast look because I had planned on doing it again. And I looked and I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this again, what was what made it not successful the first time? And what 
going forward. And I recognize that I don't have enough of a platform to make it work. And so it's a really great concept. It's a really important message, but I think it's a message that's kind of one of those. Um, and for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I had done where I gathered together seven authors and, um, we launched all seven books at the same time. And, um, so it was seven indie authors. We all, they all launched their books at the same time. And we used that to kind of promote each other's books. And we kind of did like a little mini conference summit, whatever you want to call it. And the idea was, Hey, come support these authors because an author, an indie author, it's so hard to get to a certain amount, but once a book sold, but once they do, it kind of like takes off from there. So that was the idea. And the really, like everybody I heard from was like, this is amazing. This is awesome. Like I got so much positive feedback, but yet nobody bought the tickets. And so I recognized that I don't have enough influential of a platform for it to turn into sales. And so I don't have enough goodwill in the reader reading community, the writing community for that to translate into sales. And so I had to say to myself, this is a really great idea, but this is not going to generate money. And so I can't put my time and energy into it. It can come up again in the future. Now I learned a lot from it. And I think there was a reason why God had me walk through it. But when evaluating what I was going to do this year, I had to say, that's not going to make me money. Mm -hmm. And I need to put it aside for right now until I have a larger platform. So that's one thing. Is it going to make me money? Homeschool Directive is a profitable business. We are a cover school. We kind of provide the structure for homeschool parents of teenagers, like high school. So we walk them through what it means to create a credit keep a transcript. We keep the transcript for them. We issue the diploma for them. So we have students all around the world, actually. It's kind of wild to me. Um, but that is growing. Now, I will tell you, this is the first year we've been profitable. And that is, that's hard. Like you put so much into a business, you put years of energy and money and you're like, oh my gosh, but most startups don't make money the first couple of years. And so that has been a hard thing to try to figure out who we're serving, how we're serving them. And it's trial and error, but, and we were almost about to give up. And then a connection of ours was like, Hey, I think this would be really helpful if you kind of like, if you presented it this way, I think you, the people in my audience would resonate with that. And we're like, okay. And so we did that. And in, in making that shift, it just opened up just opened up our customer base and it opened up suddenly we were getting sales and we're like how do we and really honestly we're doing nothing different it's just a different packaging it's a little bit more of a done for you service than a do it yourself service and we so we had been kind of presenting here's all the information you need and people were like we just need somebody to like walk alongside of us and so just by making that little bit of shift we now became profitable we are not making enough of a profit where we're like my mom and I are taking uh, salaries from it or anything like that, but that's the next goal, right? So the next goal is to scale it up so that we can afford all the people we need to work with us to make it happen. And then also so that we can start taking um, like owner payouts from it. And so that takes a lot of time and energy, but that's the business that will probably 
become profitable enough first that my husband could actually walk out of his job. So that takes up a lot of my attention. So a lot of my time to work is budgeted for that. I also have a business partner. So I can't just say no to that, right? But like a year ago, we were both at the point where we're we're like, um, do we need to shut this down? Because this is not making us money. We're putting too much energy into this. And so uh, we were kind of just giving a little bit more time and then God just opened up the doors. And so there's that whole tension, right? Of is we're going to just let God do what he wants with it. It's like, well, no, we never stopped trying. We kept trying and adjusting and making these like shifts and trying different copy. And we tried different avenues of like promoting it. We tried different offerings. We just kept trying stuff for three years. And then that was when God brought somebody to us. And it was because we didn't give up, right? So I think there's a part of me that is like, okay, (laughs) I need to do the same thing for my writing world because there's it kind of can be really discouraging to be a writer um it's just it's just a very discouraging it can be a very discouraging place sometimes um so anyway so focusing on growing homeschool directive uh that's going to take a lot of energy from me personally because we can't quite afford we have a va she's fabulous wonderful lover i can't afford her to do a whole lot So like I have certain things where I'm like, okay, I need her to do this and this and this because it's not worth my time and energy. Like my skills are better used in this area. She can handle clearing out my email inbox. I have to go create the marketing plan, right? Um, So just being really wise with stewarding my own skill set too. So that's one thing. As far as being a writer in my writing world, I've gotten a lot clearer on what my end goal is with that. Um, that's always kind of been a little bit in tension with each other. I wasn't quite sure because and I'm trying to sum this up really quickly, being a fiction writer, but also having nonfiction thing, nonfiction books inside me as well has always felt like a little bit of a tension spot too, because it's like, okay, well, the nonfiction book would probably be more likely to be picked up by a, a publisher than a fiction book is, but fiction's my love. And I have had these stories for 15, 20 years. Like this is something I want to put out in the world. Um, And then moving from that to, I don't know if I want to be traditionally published anymore and having to wrestle through all that. And then having to, um, then dealing with the, okay, well, if I'm going to make money, my books are probably not going to make a ton of money. So how can I supplement that? Let me do coaching. But then the Lord being like, why are you doing this coaching thing? Like, that's not something I called you to. I'm like, but I'm kind of good at it. And I know stuff that can help people. And he's like, that's fine, but you don't need to promote it. And so I felt like him very clearly at the end of last year saying, you need to, you can, um, you can coach people, but you're not to promote it. So if they come to you, it's more than appropriate to get compensated for that time that you're putting in there, but you're not going to try to build up a client list. I'm like, okay. So even though that could make me money, it was something very clearly the Lord was like, this is not what I'm calling you to because it will take away time from you publishing your books. And so Rachel, you're going to have to create these books, resting this anxiety about them not making money at my feet. And so <laughs> that word thing, right? Like I need to invest in steward things that are going to make me money, but I also can't be so terrified that they're not going to make me money that I turn to something that's more of a, like an assured thing that's going to bring me a resource of money. 
So that was kind of one lens. Um, so prayer, what's going to make me money. Um, so I decided that I am going to publish two books this year, actually three, technically three. I'll explain why that third one doesn't feel like I'm actually releasing a book with it, but um, two novels this year. This was the year I very clearly heard God a couple of years ago say, put the fiction novels down. I have other things for you to do right now. So I put that down. And then last year I was like, I'm supposed to publish a book this year and it's going to be this novel. And throughout the whole year, the Lord was like, that's not the novel. That's not the lot novel. You know this, you know this. And I'm like, no, it's supposed to be this novel because I'm not ready to publish that other novel. And he's like, it's supposed to be this one. And I fought it the whole time. And then finally through, thankfully, the mentorship of the prayer bottom part of those women were like, why are you, why is this? I'm like, I'm having such a hard time writing this novel. And they're like, let's unpack that. <laughs> so, I'm like, what do you mean? So they asked me a couple of questions and I realized I am trying to write the wrong novel and I'm actually not supposed to release the novel this year. I'm supposed to release this Advent book that I've had sitting in my brain incubating for the last two years. And so that's the book I released. And that was kind of a wild ride because I did that in the space of a couple months. And so, um, and it actually wasn't just one book, it was two. So that was kind of a wild thing as well. Um, this year, God's like, now's the time to write the novels. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I'm going to be releasing two novels and then I'm going to actually release a poetry chat book. But the thing about the poetry chat book is it's actually a collection of poems I gave my husband on our fifth anniversary. I'm going to add some more um, because our, it's our 15th year anniversary this year. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to release it on our anniversary. And it's really more of just, I just want something nice as like a commemorate the 15 years. So probably won't do a whole lot of marketing with that one, but it will. It's a project I'm doing. So there you go. There's the one where you're like, okay, there's sometimes it's okay for us to just do projects that aren't going to make us money, right? I have no right. expectations that that one's going to make me money. It's just what I want to do. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I decided to focus my attention on. And then obviously I have homeschooling still in the mix of all of that. So nice. Well, that sounds like a good lineup. <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading your fiction because I got to read a sneak peek. Was it maybe the first two chapters? I don't know. First couple of chapters yeah. of one of your books. And I have not been able to stop thinking about it since. So I'm ready for more. Whenever. Well, you that one's going to be coming out in the fall. So that's it. Okay. That's that so is to wait. <laughs> you do have to wait till the fall, but there's another one coming out in the spring. So I'll settle. Be. I'll settle for that. So. Last question. Okay. What are you nervous about this coming year? If anything. Oh, I definitely have something I'm nervous about. I am nervous about failing in all the areas. I'm nervous about even like, even just saying this out loud, that this is now the third time I have spoken this out loud, that this is my plan for the year. And it feels still gets a little caught in my throat because I have said stuff in the past where I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this. And then life has happened and I'm like, I can't make this happen. And so I think where, where I feel like God is leading me this year is like, this is what I'm asking you to do and life's going to happen and you're still going to move forward with it mm -hmm. because you're going to trust me. And in the moments where you feel like it's, you don't have enough to give, you're going to show up and you're still going to keep doing it. What does Actually. failing look like to you? Does it just mean that the book doesn't come out? Is that failing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, I have a number that I'm hoping it 
does as far as book sales. Like I do mm-hmm. have numbers mm-hmm. and I, I've just set those as goals for myself to remind myself I have to actually do the marketing work. Like I can't just stick the book up there. Like I actually did at the end of December, just stick a book up there. It's a prayer journal for entrepreneurs. And I sent it to some friends of mine, but I didn't. Online. Oh, yeah. <laughs> show off your, uh, your prayer journal. Yeah. So I, I put that per I, I created that just because I wanted it for myself. And then I was like, you know, I have some author friends that I think might enjoy it. And so I sent it to them. I have thought about like, oh, maybe I should, you know, run an ad or something like to it. And there, I'm like, I need to pray about that more (laughs) because it's not something that was in my, when I was praying over everything for the year and what I'm going to steward, that was not something that was part of stewarding. And so I'm like, okay, well, that's okay. Like, do I need to do any more than that? I mentioned it in an episode that I did recently. So maybe that's just enough for right now. And maybe I redo it some other time. Like, but for this quarter, it's not, it's not my thing to steward. And so there's going to be times like that, but for these particular books, um, I put the number on there just to remind myself, like, no, stewarding the marketing is part of the stewardship of this, of this novel. Um, and so it's not about that. Like, if I don't hit those numbers, I'll probably be disappointed, but I won't feel like I failed. If I don't actually publish the books, that's where I'll feel like I failed. If I don't show up and do the podcast every week, that's where I feel like I will fail. If I don't do a job, a good job with homeschool directive and at least enroll new people, like we have numbers we're hoping to hit. But if I don't at least do the work that I need to do, and I think that's where a shift for me too with this whole idea of creating from rest from rest is the idea I can only control my inputs. I can't control my the outcomes, right? right? So I need to show up and do the thing. And if I don't show up, that's when I'm going to fail. And so there is a little bit of nervousness, like, is life going to get so hard that I just don't show up? And so that's where I'm nervous about it because it is a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Well, that's part of why we're going to meet once a yeah. month so that we can keep each other accountable. Yeah. And uh, we'll check in on your progress with those projects. Yeah. And see how so, you're coming along. We and won't I, let you fail. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. I, yeah. It'll be exciting to see you not doing things. <laughs> It'll be excited to see me doing things. And we'll just yes. know that we're both walking in what God's will is for us as far as resting things in his hands and his, and the outcomes in his hands. And so, yeah. So I guess we can wrap up this episode for this month and just know that we're going to release these monthly for those listening. And they're probably going to be longer, longer episodes because (laughs) probably not as long as this one. We'll probably keep them a little shorter, but since we kind of had to give the background of everything, kind of go go along, but um, ideally, but they're just, we just wanted to have conversations about this because it is, it's such an interesting concept. And I think it's something that's really needed to talk, be talked about in the author space, because there's, I've been noticing, I don't know if you notice it, the number of people I see, like who are just burnt out on platform growth, burnt out on marketing, burnt out on like the whole author world. Um, it's really jumped up a lot. And a lot of authors just feeling that tension between female authors, I should say, feeling that tension between, I'm sure male authors are too, but specifically moms, like the whole mompreneur thing. It's, it's Mm -hmm. tough. It's a tough Mm -hmm. gig. And 
feeling that tension between am I being a good enough mom because I'm pursuing these things that I enjoy doing and they are taking the place of some of the things I have to do as a mom. Yeah. And so um, I think it's an important conversation. So I'm excited that you said yes to doing this podcast with me. And um, I'm excited to see where God takes you this year and where he sustains me. If you are watching this on YouTube, would you leave us a comment and let us know your thoughts on this whole conversation? Are, do you have a Sabbath year this year or is your year ramping up? Are you learning to put some things down or are you picking them up this year? Um, you could just comment or if you have any questions or anything like that, please, please leave us a comment so that we can continue the conversation and, or you can DM either one of us. I mean, we're both on Instagram, so feel free to reach out to us there too. And we will see you next month.